we are back again for another episode of On the Bench with Beaks. We're talking number 17 in the zeitgeist. I am your humble host, Cody Beekman, and with me as always, Mr. Keith Zanders. Hello, everyone. What's up? And I'm Mr. Ross Amour, my What is uh, going on? And there we've got Daniel Beatty. Hello, 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 everybody. And today we have a very special slash lovely guest, Samantha Hiller. <laughs> Samantha, say what's up to the fine podcast people out there. Hello. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. We're going to have a real fun interview for you. Um, how's everyone, how's everybody's week been so far? Sweet, man. It's my Friday, so I'm doing great. How are you guys? <laughs> I'm halfway there. <laughs> it's good to be back in the, in the podcast booth. What sure. about you, Sam? How's it out Chicago? We? Oh gosh, it's nice. It's hot. It's humid, but things are good out here. <laughs> uh, you're lucky. It's dry as hell out here. I'll tell you that right now. Well, enough niceties. Let's get down to it. We've got a jam-packed show today. We've got a lot of NHL news. We've got some Blackhawks logo troubles. Maybe not so much troubles, but... Uh, and then, yeah, we've got a huge interview lined up for Sam, so let's get into it with Hockey Day in History. Um, we got the newcomer, Sam. Sam, do you have a Hockey Day in History that you'd like to share with us today? I do. Um, on this day in 1992, the Wings signed Gordie Howe's son, my, uh, Mark Howe. He played three seasons with him before he retired, so now he's in the Hall of Fame with his father. So, that's, nice one. Uh, happened. I just got. <laughs> I, I I just gotta say. I mean, like the Howes are absolute. Like it's an absolute like hockey dynasty. The fact that they got to play together in Hartford. Uh, before that was huge as well. I mean, geez Louise, like how many times do you get to actually play with your son? Did they shorten Mark Howe on the back? Because I know it's Gordie Howe, right? Yeah, it was just Gordie. I mean, Mark at that point hadn't really done anything. So, well, but yeah, it was just Gordie, Gordie Howe. And I, th- I pretty think the only guy to actually have a full name on the back oh, of his jersey. That's a, that's a cool little stat <laughs> right there. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's keep it going with the uh, second newer-ish edition. Uh, Daniel, what do you got for Hockey Day in History? Okay, (laughs) boys. Uh, So recently, our good hockey player up north, Iggy, Jerome McGinley, into the Hall of Fame. Congrats. Congrats to him, man. Woo! Hope you're listening. Sure you are. And uh, he was drafted in this day in 1995. And... Man, did he make an impact right away. So uh, it was a pretty packed draft. There were some good players in there. We had That's the one where Brian Berard went number one. Remember that guy? Yeah. Sort of. Like, <laughs> Just for a minute. He... I can't remember him very well. I mean, I must uh, say, I was five years old. Remember okay. like it was yesterday. Dating, uh, dating myself here, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. What a great player. Um, in So close to that cup, but so much good times for Team Canada. And what a, just overall, what a great player. Like, I always love those guys that you can look back and be like, yeah, I respect that guy's career because he was nothing but class the whole time. And, and great. Uh, I, that's one thing I loved about Iggy's career is mm-hmm. he would just, 
he had that grit to it. Too. He would drop the gloves, wouldn't he? Oh, easily. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even uh, even in his oldest days. I mean, I remember his last year in L.A. He dropped he dropped the gloves a couple times, and I mean, the man still could throw bones. Oh yeah, he drew blood. Uh, uh I mean, Iggy. Let's hope to God he's listening. But I, I don't like. He's that he, nice a guy. He now is. Yeah, he's just like, oh, <laughs> fine. I'll listen to some shitty podcast down in Thornton, Colorado. Who cares? All right, who wants to go next? Rasa, you look like you're ready there, bud. Well, um, goaltender Dominic Hasek uh, announced his return to the NHL following a one-year retirement. Get out of here, you loser! Wow, yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. He was fucking great. No, he's always been great. <laughs> just playing around, snow angeling everywhere. Good luck. I always had this. Uh, I always had this saying for him. I, I always thought that this this would go through his head every time he went out there. Just like, you know, kind of like a Geico thing. Like, get lucky, save a puck. You know, uh, that's just the way I thought <laughs> thought of Dominic Kashuk. But I mean, the man was the man was a like abnormal freak. Uh, just a quick sidebar there. They made a MasterCard commercial, you know, back in that ad campaign where it was like, you can buy all this stuff, but this, this is priceless. And they did one for Dominic Hasek and the, the, like the closing line was slinky for a spine priceless. Oh yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Oh, that's awesome. All right. All right. Keats. What do you got there, bud? All right, man. Uh, July 10th. 1957, Detroit Red Wings obtained goalie Terry Shachuk from Boston in exchange for Johnny Busick. Big, huge names going going down right there. Those are some legends. That would, goalie world. That would oh, have yeah. been that would have been on NHL Network 24/7 for the next week if that was to happen today. Well, probably went on in Hockey Night in Canada or something. Wonder like who that. got the shittiest deal out of that. I, I don't see how either one got fucked on that deal, honestly, because, I mean, A, Johnny Busick, beauty. B, Terry Sacek, a uh, beauty. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, that's just like, that's a hockey kind of trade right there. Agreed. And they all moved like Dominic Hasek back then. Right. <laughs> Snow angels. like Flailing Austin. around. <laughs> don't yeah. hit my face. <laughs> that's all I got going for me. But it, but I any of you guys watch like some of those like older like games like and you watch the goalies? They're really like the way that they move is just I feel, and I'm not a goalie so I can't really speak to it. But I do feel like the movements have definitely changed in some way. Oh, big time! And oh, I yeah. and always like watching those. I've always thought to myself, I was like, I could have freaking been in the NHL like. 30 years ago, like, Doing, I I do that every day in beer league. Uh, <laughs> do the can-can while you just have a bunch of pads on, just kicking legs and just, like, lifting. No, like, they're very athletic for what it was, but it was just, like, a totally different style. The butterfly had never, you know. Yeah. I wonder if you'd still feel that way if you knew Gordy Howe is out there seeking elbows to your face. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, at that point, you're like, do I really even want to be in the NHL right now? But I could. I know I could. But I could, but... yes. <laughs> All right. So for my hockey day in history, I have July 8th, 1995. In their second trade during the 1995 NHL draft, the Vancouver Canucks obtained Mike Ridley from Toronto in exchange for Sergio Momesso. Earlier in the day, the Canucks obtained 
Alexander McGillney from Buffalo. I love this because, well, I mean, I love I love Alex McGillney, and I mean that was a huge that's a huge a- acquisition right there. Oh yeah, he did so much for that Sabres franchise when he was there. I uh, I mean uh, the Vancouver Canucks were lucky to have him. The Toronto Maple Leafs were lucky to have him. I remember uh, in the uh, 2001 Stanley Cups, I was I was so worried because McGillney was on that New Jersey Devils team, and luckily our pa- the Avs packed ass defense only uh, cut him down to one goal, one goal in that series. Right. So wow. that's just uh, that that just shows how stacked that Avs D line was that year. To uh to uh to make sure Alex McGillney only scored one goal in the playoffs, give me a break. Wow. Yeah. So that's my hockey day in history. Awesome, man. All right, check it out. So check this out. We've got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of news coming out of the NHL. Uh, let's talk CBA uh agreement first. Uh, as, as some of you may know, uh, before the, before the COVID shutdown, the, uh, the NHL and NHLPA had actually come to an initial CBA agreement and then the, this COVID shutdown started. So they have agreed upon a four more year extension with all of these return to play stipulations and everything added in. So what do you guys think? What uh, do you think we're going to be looking at something more, uh, something more coming or what? Um, I mean, from what I've also heard too, Cody, with that, because that's a huge, huge deal, is that they're also letting like the players play the Olympics and stuff this year as well, professional wise, and that's kind of a huge deal. Oh, I, yeah, Dan, how do you feel about that? I know you're all excited oh, about man. that. So yeah, that well. So they agreed in principle that it would be for 2022 and 2026, yep. right? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I consider hockey when I'm like, show me the greatest hockey on the planet. Um, I consider that to be with, you know, the best countries in the world putting out their best products possible, not based on business decisions as much. So all respect to the World Cup. That was a great tournament, but heck Yeah. I'm excited about those guys going back there. And I know players that have been passionate in the past, like Ovechkin being like, you know, I just want this so badly. I mean, he's an Olympic uh, Olympian already, but, and from that family, but it's good to see other countries. So wanting this as well. And I'm so excited. I'm really, really happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. It'll definitely kind of, you know, add a little bit to the whole entire ordeal with the Olympics as well. And, I mean, it's even great that everybody else has agreed for just across the board, just for player safety at this point as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hopefully ho- ho- hopefully things get better and better as time goes on. And, and you know, because obviously that's another concern is, like, it, it's approved, whatnot, but uh, we need to get there still, and, ho- and hopefully that happens. Hopefully, it's just small steps that lead into like great things. Yeah, no, and I'm I, missing hockey. <laughs> no, and I'm I, and I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. I mean, that that's still yep. a little ways, you know. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot, a lot that happens between now and then, and they'll figure it out, and it'll be awesome. 
Sam, how do you feel about uh, the pro players coming going back to the Olympics? Um, I think it's great. I think that uh, you know they they kind of got left out of the last Olympics um, and couldn't come to an agreement with that. And you know they weren't even able to use they weren't going to be able to use that footage to promote the NHL or the players, um, and that was kind of a contingency. So I think that you know by letting them participate it draws so much more um attention to the game and we're still really just trying to grow um i think it it gives great exposure to these players um but also to the game so for them to say that they're cleared to do that is great i mean we have to look at the flip side too which you know these really great nhl players are also taking the spots of you know some guys who might just want the opportunity to perform on that kind of stage um, and so in that way, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, there's obviously a double edged sword here because we want to see promotion of the NHL and these players and we want to see that level of play. But we also want, you know, opportunities for guys who might not have as much of a spotlight. Um, so but I mean, it's got it definitely has its benefits and I think it'll be good for the game overall. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Josh, I mean, well put. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you you know, and I think uh, a lot of a lot of the complaints that I do hear about the pros actually going to uh, going to the Olympics is that the Olympics isn't supposed to be uh, filled with professionals. This is this has always been an amateur uh, tournament, you know. Well, and it kind of jump in on that. That is my most favorite part about that. Uh, obviously. Me, me being born in Latvia and stuff, that's why I love so much the Olympics and the World Championships because I get to watch not only my native team where I was born, but also some of these players that I, that I don't get to see on TV every oh, yeah. day, like, you right. know, yeah. Ovechkins and all that. I, I get to see those other guys, and it's always fun. And there's uh, a couple guys actually now that used to be on my team when I played in Latvia. I play for a national team now as well so that's been always like oh my god i used to skate with this guy and that's that, that's kind of a cool cool side to it as well so oh agreed oh I gotta, well i gotta say i mean it will make the uh olympics a little more competitive but i mean yeah just like sam said there's definitely a double-edged sword to it but i mean we'll see how it goes oh yeah no i couldn't agree more that's a hundred percent all right, to move on, uh, we are, what is, what's today, boys, uh, July 8th? Yes, sir. All day. Yep. All, all day. day. All day until midnight. <laughs> so, we have literally five days until the uh, training camps for the NHLs are supposed to uh, open up. So, yeah, so what, um, I, I, I kind of listened up to it. So, what their plan right now is uh, on the 13th. They're starting like the team, uh, team camp. Yeah, and then yeah. by the twenty sixth, they should be up in their hubs. Yeah, and then hopefully by the end of July, uh, first week of August, we should be seeing some uh, playoff hockey, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yep. They're saying that right at the end of July, they'll basically be getting to their hub cities. From what I understand, and we can get to that now or later depends but it should be toronto and edmonton edmonton yeah scotia bank center and uh it's it's something the rogers rogers arena something 
I think everyone in Canada is either I thought Rogers Rogers or Bell was, or something uh, at this point. It's, I thought it's Rogers, Rogers was Vancouver. Uh, See, that's what they, I mean. There's have, like a Rogers Center, Rogers yeah, Arena. Yeah. yeah. And there's Rogers like everything. Rogers brought to you by Rogers, probably. <laughs> there's Rogers Coffee, Rogers Donuts. Well, let's just make no, it simple. Hortons, man. <laughs> let's make it simple. I'll take it over. Half goes to Edmonton, half goes to Toronto. Yeah, well, that's how, that's where that's, that's where it's going to be. What you're saying, right? And yeah, so and then Edmonton would get the finals, right? Yes, Edmonton's going to get the finals yeah. as as it stands right now. Um, I hope it switches to Toronto and Boston wins the cup. <laughs> Oh, I God. don't actually want that, but it would just be like, how does, how does it get worse for Toronto seeing playoff hockey after the first round? Oh, because your team's out and Boston ends up winning the cup in your city. Yeah, oh my that God. would be that would be that would be the sli- that would be the sugar oh on top. God, That'd right? be like an Alanis Morissette moment almost. I also wonder how the guys are how? feeling like. Oh, Hold ironic. On, I wanna... Oh, ironic. Oh, yeah. oh, there you go. Oh, and sorry. she's Canadian. So. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not an Alanis listener. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's I one just... of her most famous songs. Come on, Cody. Hey, bud. I, I'm A, not Canadian, and I was born in 1990. I was fucking 10. with the times, bud. Well, hey, Sam, what's up? The past uh... times? Sam, what's yes. your thoughts on it? Um, well, they were talking about having these secure zones, right? So this, um, they were just going to play out of those two locations. That's my understanding of it anyways, you guys. Yeah, and yeah. what uh, what's going to happen is that they will be confined to, like, an area where their lodgings and dining uh, dining situations will all be right there. How do you think that's gonna go over? How do you think? How do you feel about that? I mean, <laughs> as a, think about it as like a player, like you have you have like a football field's worth of uh, like space to go well, walk they, around. Yeah, well, they they did talk about that, and they're and and they're very strict about it. So when you're in your little bubble, uh, you literally stay there, and you you will be fined if they catch you. Like outside mm-hmm. of it, like it's not gonna be just like a no. player. Like they will find the team, and you can get some pretty deep, oh, deep yeah. trouble. And even with um, just stepping yeah. out, from what I understand, Keats, not to in- interrupt you from your actual room. Right, right. Like you have to stay. Like I hate using the word quarantine, but yeah, you have to basically stay in your room from the other players and all that. And I mean, if I, I'd say it's probably going to be tough. Uh, I would say like the first like couple weeks is probably going to be hard on those guys because obviously they did announce that no families allowed. Nope. Uh, they can only right. family can only be there like basically Stanley Cup champ like when they're the yeah, finals. Well, yes, exactly. Yep. Which That's, is so hard. Like, can you imagine being a family member and being like, "I'd love to see you play in the playoffs," but. Uh... You know, can't even go uh, Plus, like, every year when the team gets eliminated, they pan to the person that's like, this could be their last game. And it's like, right. well, now <laughs> that family doesn't get to see that player potentially be playing in their last game. That exactly. kind of sucks, but too. For the, yeah, I mean, for the sake of, like, getting to move forward for everybody, though, like, I hope the players recognize that it's worth the you know, inconvenience of having to sort of quarantine themselves so that we can, like, get the game back on and, like, just be, you know, somewhat back to normal with being able to view it at least. And 
Um, for them, I'm sure they just want to play. Like, I, I'm pretty sure they would do anything just to play. And that, that that's kind of what I'm thinking, too. Like, out of uh, pretty much any of the pro sports, I think uh, ho- hockey players would be the most apt to make those gigantic sacrifices just to have the chance to lift the cup, you know? And just right. to play again, really. I mean, I, f- hell, man, I'd, I'd give both my useless legs to go and play hockey again, (laughs) (laughs) which which is kind of like a paradox because I mean, if I don't have any legs, how can I go play sled hockey, bitch? What (laughs) loophole? (laughs) One thing that sled stuff coming around in Colorado. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Here, here. I, I do think it's kind of like interesting though, how the players have been reacting to the news over time, because as a fan, I'm like, Okay, well, it's switched hub cities, like no big deal. But I wonder if some guys are like, "Oh, wait, so I'm not going to be at the MGM Grand, and I'm not going to have an unlimited <laughs> shrimp boat. Right? And instead, I'm going to be at the Motel Eight in Edmonton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, damn. All right. Well, I still want the There's cup, a but damn. Vegas isn't a hub city, okay? <laughs> yeah. No. I. I. And that's my point. Is um, we can look at it from a lot of different angles as to why these two cities were chosen. But I'm just looking back over these whole last few weeks of them being very accommodating and willing to get the season back on track. And <laughs> part of it I'm sure is like, but guys, don't worry, vote for this. Cause we're going to be in Vegas. It's going to be kind of sweet. Like we can, and now it's Edmonton. It's like, Do Oh, the fuck we and, want to. and again, again, I hope you're listening in Edmonton. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not bashing your city that way at all. Well, Hey, to I be, just, well, to he be was fair, Calgary, so. to be fair, that Do the city better. and, and, First of all, that arena is amazing. Second of all, that bubble they're building doesn't look like crap. It looks amazing. Like, if, if you're going to have one, do it, right? Oh, yeah. Well, one thing also that they actually did offer to players was, and I, I don't know if the deadline's over now or not, but players were able to opt out of these playoffs without any sort of penalty. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, I know was... there was, like, a deadline. I don't know exactly what that day was. Maybe it's still up and people can be like nope no thanks yeah it was like the uh what was it olympics in brazil people could opt out with like how terrible like i forget what was going on at that time with all the mosquitoes and everything yeah yeah but but i i guess in a way that it's it's actually pretty cool for nhl to do that uh because you know you don't know some of these players situations at home and stuff you know maybe it's not a good you know it's not a good idea or you know I'm sure there's some families. I know there's some families. I don't know if it's in hockey, but I've been reading sports news that are opting out because their family situation is like my daughter is high risk, for example. Yeah. And it's like I got to make this a family decision. And it's like. And then speaking of high risk, so there's that whole other side now, too. Yeah, here comes a news storyline. Yeah. So also with now, okay, yeah, we're going to do these playoffs and such, but now. If you happen to be a high-risk player, uh, there's a chance that um, you're you get evaluated or whatnot, and uh, you might not be able to play. Uh, that's but that's been going around now too, and there's uh, there's already a couple players that they were talking about could uh, fall into that. Capo Caco has uh, type yep. one di- diabetes. So does Max yep. Domi. He's got type one diabetes as well, so he might. To what extent? I mean, to what extent can they enforce that, though? Because ultimately, I feel it should be a player's decision. Like, 
I know I'm at risk. I know I have this, uh, this health issue, but you know, that still doesn't make me not want to play, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, can they actually enforce that or do these players, they have to, you know, just pick and choose if they want to. Well, and that's kind of how I looked at it as well was, um, I guess you can get some sort of a physical evaluation um, of some sort to see if they're fit for it or not. Uh, I'm sure they've already done that to begin with. Um, but yeah, uh, the way I look at it is just um, maybe sign some sort of a waiver, you know, like, hey, right. like if anything happens to me, uh, the NHL or like the New York Rangers yeah. is not li liable. Not liable, no. And keep it at that. And that's it. No, and I was about right, to bring that up. Yeah, yeah I really it's, think it is the player's decision. I think it's their, it should be their choice, you know, to acknowledge, you know, some some people don't want to live in the bubble. You know, some people are okay taking certain risks despite their health uh, health risks and things. Yes, yeah. And, you know, and one thing, and it's, I'm going to be going crazy here too, but it's like, since when diabetes became such a huge COVID type of risk as, you know, there's always was people like asthma and things like that. Like, but NHL started throwing out this whole diabetes thing and I'm like, huh? Yeah. Where's <laughs> well, that coming from? I mean, I never heard true. anything about that. Um, I mean, it'd be like the medicine that I they're taking, like the... inhibits their immune system and stuff like that. You get what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm just throwing that it's out there. It's what they call a comorbidity. Yeah, so Sam, you're a medic, make, Sam. Tell us. <laughs> that's pretty much, that's all it is, is uh, they look at certain certain things, diabetes, high blood pressure, whatever, uh, and they say this is a comorbidity, so it makes you more likely to get, um, to contract this virus and then not be able to fight it. And But, you know, so that's just, that's all that classification is, but I I still think that there are players out there who will, they will run that risk because they love the game so much and they just want to play and they'll do it anyways. <laughs> so. Hey man, I'd fucking die on the ice if I could, <laughs> you know, Right. <laughs> like that'd be the way to go is to die on the that ice. Would be. That's doing something you love, you know? Oh, for sure. Comorbidity gentlemen. I think we just <laughs> learned something new today. A new word. <laughs> all that, all that medic school knowledge kicking in <laughs> well coming in clutch right now right oh, yeah for real so uh we've gotten the the nhl's gone so uh so far as to even start putting out tv schedules as well yep and they're bold doing a great job at it yeah absolutely you got three games going on in each hub city and literally if you catch them all that's 15 hours of hockey a day, a day. Just just think about that and just salivate for for a quick second. I wonder how many people are going to call in sick once this happens. Like, oh, I think I might have uh, got the got, COVID. I think I got the COVID. <laughs> All right. Two weeks at home. I don't know if it's still the case, but the most called in sick day that's not like around uh, like a, is the day after the Super Bowl. And it's like maybe just because it's been away so long and then it's like zero to 15 hours real quick. It's like, OK, you know what? This is my moment. Well, I was going to say Keats <laughs> probably caught me on my shit with that. 
<laughs> I'm going to be calling out and just saying that I've got COVID. I'm just kidding. Hey, I'm bud. just kidding. <laughs> All you got to do is be like, hey, I got a sore throat, upset stomach. I've been I having this dry cough. I can't taste things. I've got the comorbidity. I'm pooping. I got, I'm a, pooping. I got a fever. <laughs> that's, that's it, dude. They're going to make you stay home for two weeks. And then you're going to go test at the Pepsi Center and be like, oh, he's good. And that's that. With, with these, you know, all the COVID rules and such, um, one thing, uh, let's talk about uh, St. Louis. Uh, those guys are having some hard time with these COVID cases right now. Yeah, last week they had to shut down their entire practice because so yep. many people uh, tested positive. It was like, was it five or did that number go up? Last time I saw, there were six confirmed cases in St. Louis. So it was five players and a coach, correct? That's exactly it, yeah. Okay, all right. So, yeah, how does now, for for a team like St. Louis, how, how does how does that affect them between, you know, what the NHL is trying to do? Um, obviously, all these, uh, I, if I were to guess, they're probably all asymptomatic. Uh yeah, I would uh, assume in some ways, but but also, but regardless of the situation, they they're still gonna have to quarantine for for two weeks. Um, so uh, would... is is this one of those like, sorry guys, we're just gonna have to pull someone from the AHL, and when you're ready, if we're still playing, you can hop in. Is... Yeah, I think their expanded roster is gonna have to step up and play until. Those guys are uh, the ones who tested positive are either cleared to play or, you know, they just won't make it. Yep. And that's from what I've read, like a couple of like Eagles players have been cleared to come and step up in the position. Yeah. In case somebody has the COVID or gets hurt, like they have an extended roster to a sense, to a point. Basically. You know, and it, it's still like from last episode, we, we, we talked about it a little bit, but I'm still like, what if like your first line just gets fucking wiped out in the middle of these playoffs? In, <laughs> oh, in the, in the, yeah, well, in the true spin, sense of it, I mean, the last time we talked about it, I mean, I thought about it for this last week. And I think at this point, yeah, I mean, seeing how the NHL is still moving forward with all the plans. I think if uh, uh, a bunch of your guys go down, then so be it. You got the extended roster there for a reason. And those guys are just going to have to step up. And, and then what was, uh, I, 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 could, I read a number somewhere with 30, up to 30 players. That can yeah. Play they up? are Something extending like the roster to about 50, 50. Oh, fi- okay. Yeah. Way more. Okay. okay. All right. Well, Good luck, St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at least you know what? Because they're not so, they're not supposed to start um, their playoff kind of preliminary stuff until August, right? So if they get it out of the way now, they're gonna maybe be healthy by August. Hopefully, and be ready to go. True. Yep. No. Yeah, Good as point. long as they test uh, negative for it after uh, the uh, the whole. I mean, they get over it as long as it doesn't go forever. Yeah. So I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have to take a look at that. I mean, especially when we get closer to uh, starting, and even while we're they're playing, if if God or Thor or Odin or oh, fucking Odin. whoever's up there, that's oh, the hockey these, gods. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> it's Zeus. Okay. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, okay. I, thank can God. Get on board I guess with he's that a one. lightning fan, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, that's just clearly my he isn't because no, I mean he wouldn't have let that happen last year. <laughs> no, uh, just, he's just building up the uh, the anticipation, really. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, uh, I think that's about it. They came out about the NHL. I mean, uh, there's, I mean, there's obviously. There's been a, a few more cases after some more testings in the NHL, so I think the uh, the count is up to uh, I think what I saw 33 players now. Yeah. That have it, but I mean, yeah, man. still out of I mean the ever growing players that are coming in to uh, to training camp and stuff. I mean that's still not that bad. It isn't no, but it's just man. It, it, it like I said, like I mentioned last time, like it, it's still a scary kind of a scary thing. Um, cause these numbers, these numbers, they're not going down. They are going up. <laughs> right. So hopefully like plateau somewhere and we don't have to worry about this. Mm-hmm. So especially the, if they... good, the good news is that most of these players are healthy. Um, they train hard, they take care of themselves. And I think that's one of the biggest things for them too. I mean, we worry about their families and stuff, but ultimately like the players are, they're healthy individuals for the most part. Um, so that makes me a little less worried for how they're going to, how they're going to react to this virus. It sets them up for success with it. Um, you would think anyways. Yeah, for sure. It makes them strong like bull. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I think the only thing to add to that consideration for some of these players is uh, that they can beat it, but, it's hard to know what any long-term effects of having it could play on your overall system long-term. And um, I wonder if any of those players are considering like, yeah, I I beat it and I can come back, but I kind of have now like a VO2 max of 80% what I used to. And so that's going to affect my conditioning moving forward or something like that. I, I'm just, I'm just, I wonder if anyone's kind of thinking along those lines because there's also not a lot of data that knows what long-term effects are because we haven't had it right. for a long time. Which, yeah, I mean, in the end, could definitely be a huge determining factor if you do opt, if, if people, if players start to opt out. However, it's not like players are oblivious to the fact that there might be long-term repercussions from concussions, you know, and, yeah. and other things oh, yeah. that are already in the league. So yep. it's not like this is a new situation in that regard. No, well, I was going to say that they'll just basically just retrain themselves just to, yeah, deal with it. Basically they're, they're hockey players. They're resilient. It, that's what it seems like. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it honestly, right? Time will tell. Let's see what happens in the ne- in the next couple of weeks, and we'll go from there. That's all. That's all we can do as fans, players. You know, we're just everyone's just kind of going with the flow at this point because yeah. because yeah. no because right. <laughs> no one knows like what's gonna happen or you know. Yeah. It's just unfortunate, but we're 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 in a situation like that, and then there's nothing you can do. Hands up in the air. <laughs> so moving on we've uh i think everybody who's you know uh been in and out of the news uh lately there's been a huge call for a lot of these you know native american based hockey a uh, hockey football baseball teams to change their name i mean obviously the washington redskins have had ex- uh, an extreme amount of pressure and a lot of people are calling for name changes and 
Obviously, the Chicago Blackhawks are one of them, and they just recently released a statement in which I'm gonna, I'm just gonna read for you now, and uh, I want to get your, uh, I want to gauge your guys's kind of reaction to it. So the uh, press, uh, the press release is as follows: the Chicago, Chicago, oh my god. <laughs> that's that's verbatim for of what they wrote okay no all right so the chicago blackhawks name and logo symbolizes an important and historic person chief blackhawk of the illinois sac and uh, fox nation whose leadership and life has inspired generations of native americans veterans and the public we celebrate Blackhawks' legacy by offering ongoing reverent examples of Native American culture, traditions, and contributions, providing a platform for, platform for genuine popularity, uh, uh, for genuine dialogue with local and Native American groups. As the team's popularity grew over the past decade, so did the platform and our work with these important organizations we recognize there is a fine line between respect and disrespect and we command other uh commend other teams for their willingness to engage in the uh that conversation moving forward we are committed to raising the bar even higher to expand awareness of blackhawk and the important contribution of all native american people we will continue to uh serve as stewards to our name and identity and will do so with a commit uh commitment to evolve what y'all think i honestly loved it like it shows like the heritage of that area and what they stood for and yeah even like my buddy vivin who is navajo 100 percent, just loves what the Blackhawks, the Sioux, the Fighting Sioux, like, you know, the Redskins, because that was actually, yeah, no, that was actually named after a bunch of tribes that were, like, back in the day. Like, they were just like, yes, they fought for their rights and everything like that. See, I thought the Redskins was actually a derogatory name that so the white I. people, white people, uh, like, white uh, you know, uh, pilgrims and stuff you actually gave to natives. No, like there was three tribes that came together and they said that it was all right to call them that in Washington. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, wow. I, I was not aware of that. Sam, I'm, I'm curious, like you're in Chicago, so, mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you maybe you heard from other friends today, and also, what's your opinion on what's going on? I honestly haven't heard anybody say boo or yay about it. Um, I I think personally, um, it can be a good way to you know contribute to the people who were here before us, and um, these these people, these tribes, are very. Um, they're very special, and I think that we haven't lost sight of that. Uh, I think that we don't mean to put names to teams that are any in any way trying to be derogatory or uh, hurtful. Um, if they were to speak up about it, I'm sure we would address it. Um, but 
you know, it, it depends on them. Like I really, I think it's up to them how they take it. And, uh, if they were to have an issue, it would be right of us to, you know, address their concerns, uh, as such, but I'm, I'm not sure how, you know, I, I'm not sure how they take it. I, I haven't been on their land. I haven't been, you know, talking to them actively. So I, it's hard for me to speak on it because I never even, to be honest, I ne it never even phased me. Like it's something I never thought about and it's not because I don't care. I just didn't, I wasn't aware of that being uh, an issue, you know? Well, the, I, and I, I'm with you, Sam. Um, that, that's the thing too. It's like, I, I was never aware of an issue as well. Um, obviously this whole situation is becoming a thing because of the PC the, people. Exactly. The black oh, lives matter culture, black lives matter movement, everything that's going on right now in the world, you know? And, and it's, yeah, I mean, and I don't know if I'm a dick asking this, but do we like, has there been like a native American, you know, anything that's been like, yeah, this is super racist, Oh no, We'd, they've been. Well, that's easy. Yeah, but it, it it's also depends. Like, there's so much like gray area with that. It, yeah, and it's, it, and you don't know who. That's what I said. Uh, we can get into semantics. No, exactly. But, it's yeah. this is this uh, in this day and age. This is this is a super sensitive subject, and yeah. and unfortunately, like like you said, Ross, like. <laughs> there's there's no need of getting into like super deep into it or anything, no. you know? Because yeah. Because we, we all understand we're there's certain we're Native lead. Americans that don't mind it at all, and there's certain that just take complete offense to it. And the ones that take honor in that and like that we actually, you know, because all teams are fighting to get a Stanley Cup to be a playoff like contender and all that, like. I mean, that's how I see it. It's honoring that, you know, the fight in the team, the fight and like, as a coerced, like, unit. No, absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I mean, if I could throw my opinion in here quickly, I think <coughs> you, it's good to see the Blackhawks make a statement because they're, it shows that they're aware enough that of what's going on that they need to remind people of how their name was formulated. Yep. Uh, I think it's also important that you remember that even if your name goes through all of the filtering and talking to all the people uh, th and, and they deem that it is okay, then there's a certain responsibility to uphold the, the name to represent things in an accurate way. And, there are certain terms that people would think as derogatory. Like, I'm interested to know more about this Redskins thing because I thought Likewise. that was more derogatory than generalistic. And oh, no. my, my example back to hockey would be you have the Vancouver Canucks. Canucks is kind of a term that you refer to Canadians as. as you have Canuck the, or the New York yeah. Yankees. You know, Yanks right. are, yeah. are Americans to a certain extent. Um, you have the uh, Atlanta Braves or the Kansas City Chiefs. These are more generalistic names that are not uh, considered, um, I guess, derogatory. But then within that, it's like, okay, so the Atlanta Braves have the war chop. The 
ooh, we should probably look at that to see if that's something that still represents this in a general way and isn't derogatory. So after you get past the name, it's right. also about making sure you're not representing things inaccurately or, or, or making your own judgment calls about what is. And so the yeah. only thing I'll add to this would be like, okay, Chicago Blackhawks, you, you've done a good job of making your statement heard. So when your mascot, Hawk, is in the stadium, is he well represented? Is what he's doing in the stadium like what you want associated with that kind of name? And so look at those kinds of things because that's where it can start a, a reality that you are now behaving that will associate back to that name and then appropriate stereotypes that are incorrect. And Daniel, I, yeah. I could not agree with you more. I mean, what are they doing to you know, support the local native, uh, you know, Sac and Fox tribes, you know, oh, yeah. that are uh, that are still around. And what what are they do? Are they are they holding, you know, like uh, native uh, heritage nights? Are they uh, you know, are they uh, maybe doing some sort of, you know, anything, you know, anything that makes them makes them talk the talk and also walk the walk? That is that's their biggest thing right now is if they're uh, and I think Keats and I, we had talked about this well, right before the uh, episode started is that, you know, talk is cheap. What you really got to do now is like you, you uh, if you if this isn't just bullshit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. if this isn't just bullshit to cost you less money and millions of uh, dollars of logo rebranding and all that. Well, then good. I'm, I really hope it's not bullshit, but I mean, sometimes I can be well, a little naive. And, and if you're going to do that, I'm going to call everybody out on this. That's chicken shit. I'm serious. Well, of course. That's I mean, 150% chicken shit. To but just uh, but claim uh, we're that. just, and it's just, it's unfortunate, man. But right now, we're just in that time of day. Where Obviously, we're you, just generalizing right now yeah. at this yeah. point. But, but, but no, Cody, I 100% agree with you, too. Yeah. If, if, if they haven't already done anything like that, well, they better do it now after the statement that they just released to the world. It's a damn yeah. good time so, to do it, for sure. Well, and. <laughs> That's one thing I was going to get to, like, minus the Cleveland Indians, but the Fighting Sioux and all those, like, team names that were named after actual tribes and stuff. It was because they were, that was the warrior, like, that would be like sending out, like, the Navy SEAL and shit like that. Well, I mean. Back in the day, that was their warriors. Those were the best of their best. That's what mm -hmm. represented the tribe. I can yeah, respect absolutely. that. I just I don't yeah. want to see the Chicago Blackhawks be like, yeah, this is authentic, and then they do some kind of war cry that isn't. Oh yeah, you no, know, and no, then all of a sudden yeah. it's wrong. You know, that's and yeah. that's, that's that's the concern that uh, Cody and I actually yeah we we talked about off air uh, before you guys got here, same sort of thing because yeah because man if that is if if that actually is any little bit of truth to that. Someone's gonna find that out within the first few couple months, man. And holy crap, yeah. they're gonna be in some shit. I don't know. I mean, Sam, back me up on this, but I lived in Chicago a few years. We're kind of not ignorant of what happened in that city. I mean, Chicago's flag's got four red stars on it, and two of them are about world fairs and stuff. But one's about Fort Dearborn, where that got burned down in the War of eighteen twelve, and. You know, the other is about the Chicago fire, which kind of is like, this is our history, but we rebuild. And I, I just don't get the sense that they make a statement like that without having the proof to back it up. But also, like, I feel like 
they're a good example of a of of an organization within sport that can like get it right because they've also been doing it historically. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're pretty quick to like address things um and them putting that statement out there, they're trying to um they're trying to be aware. They're trying to be conscientious of everybody and how especially in a time like this, they want they want people to know that like we we support you whichever way if you if you respect this and you agree with it we will support you um if you don't agree with it we'll also support you i think it's just trying to make um it's kind of a city that like backs uh the people so whatever the people really want i think the city will back and um so I do think that we will do our best to address everybody's concerns. Um, and I, so I appreciate them at least putting it out there because it shows they're being conscientious of the situation. Yeah. What I really enjoyed was the line. We, we understand that there is a fine line between respect and disrespect. I think that was really a big thing for me mm. is because I mean, yeah, you know, a lot, some of these, some of these team names were made back in, uh, you know, different times. Right. You know, times <laughs> where, you know, forward thinking wasn't so forward. It was more backward. So I and, and I and I think they really did actually take a, a like a step back and made a pretty fair assumption about like a, 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 about the logo and the name and. Going back to what Daniel said about, like, you know, what what's the mascot doing uh, during these games and stuff? I have never seen them even do, like, anything close to, you know, like a, a Native American stereotype tor- type thing. No, they just want and, the crowd riled up. I mean, yeah, they because, uh, you know, they've always got the, like, during the national anthem, they're just going nuts. And, I mean, you know, don't. Uh, don't quote me on all that because you know the only uh the only Chicago Blackhawks games I've really you know seen a lot of is playoff games or when the Avs the Madhouse the Bruins, on Madison yeah. is a real thing man oh yeah oh boy it's awesome I need to go Spe- it's great speaking of which Sam have you been to any Blackhawks games uh since yes I I've been to a couple of them take and... me with you <laughs> They honestly, so the national anthem at Blackhawks games, it's like a big thing. Like you do not want to miss the anthem. Uh, the gentleman and I, his name escapes me right now, but the gentleman that performs this anthem is just like a historical icon. I feel oh, he, like. Oh, he's um, nuts, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He gets people going, and like when you're standing there, you just have like goosebumps, and you're like, "This is the coolest anthem I've ever heard." <laughs> and. Um, it's really, it's quite an experience. I mean, they usually have a packed house. Um, lots of people. I think, honestly, out of all the sections I've been in, out of the few games I've been to, I love the nosebleeds. Like, I just think that the people in the nosebleeds are so excited that they even, like, got tickets to show up, that they're just so excited about it. And, um, hey, you're ta- a lot of fun. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they, it's really a great energy. And I think as far as like the team itself and being the Blackhawks, um, they have a lot of pride, you know, I'm not from here. 
So I, I didn't jump on the bandwagon. I'm just a straight up Avalanche fan forever. But like, whoop, whoop. <laughs> moving out here, I was like, wow, you guys have a ton of pride. Like, I, they're just very proud of their team. They're proud of the, you know, their jerseys that they wear and stuff. So I, I think that the people really are just crazy about their team here. So. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, the original six team. Uh, that's how fans should be. You know, I, uh, you know, I, uh, I can't even imagine being a fan of like an actual original 60. I mean, like, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a Boston Bruins fan, but I'm not, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking solely from West of Mass. I fucking love the Bruins, but, <laughs> but, uh, blue and, uh, Browning, uh, Fucking a! I popped the con Harvard Yard, and then I had to take the uh, orange line down to the TD Center. Right Ever now. since I was fucking born, black and gold. But you know, I I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't well absolutely. But I was I wasn't born in you know like a, a town you know with a, an original six hockey team. You know, I I, I obviously you know the the Avs story and all that. So it's uh I I kind of feel like you know you got like those uh hockey fans that live in a city where they have a, a truly storied past is kind of just a little more special than just being a, you know, well, I mean, I mean, every hockey fan is special, but I mean, there's like, a, there's, you know, there's that extra spice on every uh, original six hockey fan, you know? Well, right. I, being a part of the original ahead. six is like such a, such a special thing. <laughs> Cause I mean, I I was born in Toronto and then lived in Chicago, so I've had two. And uh, the thing is, <laughs> like everyone our age will be like, oh, because my grandfather was it. Like it's generational. Yeah. So it's like you're born into it. Oh, totally. It's like, oh, this team moved, but I had a choice of sports franchises. And yeah. no, you had no choice, no. you know in those old <laughs> in those old ones so yeah the passion is there the pride uh, is there and it's jim cornelison for the record that guy who sings the anthems who's dope and that is. makes it extra special too yeah. right because yeah. it ties into your family and everything you yep. know going back generations definitely oh, yeah yeah definitely. i mean uh and uh the one thing i like to say about you know all hockey fans is that it is a true family but yeah when it's when it's kind of when it goes just as deep as uh not only a, a hockey based family, but like your actual family. It's it's special, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Generational talent and just keeping well, keeping at it. Just <laughs> a generational love, you know. Like it's right. just, like uh, my great great granddad went to the forum. Like oh yeah, my great 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 granddad was probably somewhere in fucking Ohio eventually. <laughs> I know there's point. a lot of people listening in <laughs> Toronto, though, that oh, want yeah. to have a cup experience with their parents, you know? Oh, yeah. uh, how, how, how special would that be? They had it 67 or whatever, uh, and, did, and they're waiting. Yeah, they're like, no, I right. want you. Like, that's that's a difference of uh, that's special for Toronto, but also, like, you, you know, the Kings will win a Stanley Cup, and it's like, Oh, that's yeah, good. that's cool. Like, check out our parade; it's pretty awesome. We have the Lakers as well. Yeah, check that out. <laughs> yeah, instead of us, because obviously basketball is better, right? Yeah. But I mean, you, yeah, like uh, when Boston took on the cup the last time, that was just that was something so much more special than both the times that LA took it home. That was huge. Uh, I mean, that was gigantic. Well, I, I'm. Sure 
So you got you guys have got to see Daniel's face right now. He's a, by trade, he's a Canuck fan, and as soon as I said that, he was like, "Oh, I fucking hate you, bud." Two finals. I fucking hate you. Two finals, two I'm, riots. Oh, dude, come on, don't don't rub <laughs> it in. Holy shit, he's. He's he's already I'm got the look the of a dejected right man. <laughs> he's already got the look of a dejected man. You don't need to push it in anymore. I'm not pushing it. I'm nudging it. Even so, Boston, <laughs> just get out of the way and let Toronto and Vancouver win their Stanley Cups, okay? That's uh, all I want to say. <laughs> Poor Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's move on. Let's move on. I think I think we're starting to hurt people's feelings here. So, Sam, 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 Samantha Hiller, we want to talk to you about your journey, your life in hockey. And we just, you know, uh, we uh, we love uh, we love what you've done in hockey. And uh, for people who don't know, we're going to get real into it right about now. So are you ready? I guess so. (laughs) All right. I think uh, I think uh, Ross is going to start off the line of questioning here. Well, I mean, where did you kind of get started off with, like, your background in hockey? Uh, you know, what got you into it and what kind of pushed you towards that kind of aspect? Um, so I started um, I started playing when I was about eight, a little bit late to the game. But my mom taught me how to skate. And so for my seventh birthday, I remember my mom taking me to have like an ice skating party and I just remember skating and being like this is the best thing ever um and I told her I want to play hockey and she's like well you got to learn to skate first and so she taught me progressively over the year like how to skate um at least the basics so that when I went in to play um I would be able to skate at least (laughs) (laughs) you would have the know-how at least Right, and I, I'm thankful for that because I feel like sometimes people get thrown into the game and they don't know how to skate, and then it's like, oh my gosh, please don't fall, please don't crash. Like, right. I worry for them, but um, yeah. So I I kind of started there. I went and played a lot of just I played for the Boulder Bison for a while in my youth days, and I. I didn't have a super impressive playing career. I went, um, I played up through high school. Uh, I played for Monarch and Boulder High School and everything. Oh, get uh, out played- of town. Go away. <laughs> Monarch was like the back-to-back-to-back-to-back champions. Yeah. They were like. Like every other year they, they, they brought the cup home. I just I, I want to fly wanna, like a bee, sting like a butterfly. Is that, awesome. that the, one of those three? I want to ask you a question, Sam. <laughs> What what yeah. years what years did you play for Monarch? Because I played for Legacy and I played Monarch a lot. My man. I, so we had a combined. So I played for the boys team for Boulder High, but I didn't play for. I played for the girls team for Monarch, but I was there from two thousand seven, seven eight, two thousand eight till maybe twenty eleven. Oh wow! Um, so, I yeah, feel I, old now. <laughs> I know. I was like, "Holy shit, man!" I, I, yeah, I, I, I feel old talking about it. Yeah. Don't even. No, even. No, I. So I, I played. I played uh, uh, Legacy Varsity for 2007, and then I moved on to uh, Mountain Range. So I was just wondering. I, I, I was kind of like thinking, had had I seen her on the ice before? 
and I really hope she didn't just like smoke me. Because I mean, Monarch. Uh, every time I played Monarch, uh, we just got fucking lit up. Then you probably <laughs> got smoked, bud. They were, oh no! They I, had a program there. They had some really talented players. Oh yeah, we uh, um, we yeah. I mean, I, I every time I saw Monarch on the Skeddy, I was just like, I. Oh, let's hope my grades just like dip so, down a little bit. For so you don't one. have to play them. <laughs> yeah. This week or what? Oops, sorry, I got an F on my math test. It's Looks like, like I go. can't play today. You know. I was drawing plays. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. Who were the superstars? I, I, but besides Monarch, Stanley Lake was pretty good, right? Stanley Lake was always huge. Oh yeah, they were, they were always, always huge. Yeah. They were in a different division, or no? They were in the same division, right? Yeah, like for Chas- for like a couple of years, and then uh, Chassa got like really fucked up, and it just kind of switched around after that. But um, right. uh, so um, uh, how'd you get into refereeing? That's what. Well, what'd you do after? Well, what'd you do after hockey? Because uh, I think you were an Avs girl for quite a bit. I think I was. I was an Avs girl for two years. You were Holy one of the shit. Avs girls in the hockey skates, right? Right. Yeah, yeah we had, we I think, the inaugural team, because the Ice Girls, I was on their inaugural team, which would have been 20, gosh, now I'm going to age myself again. I feel like it was like 2013 was our first season. Um, and we had, I want to say, four girls that played hockey, and the rest were figure skaters. And then our second season was about the same. So, so you... So you were one of the originals, right? You were like that yeah. first year when when <laughs> like they made up, it, like Snoop Dogg signs and stuff like that. The OG <laughs> and all that. I'm kidding, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, they because they. I mean, that was a relatively new idea and a new concept. Um, and already, like teams like the Blackhawks or like the I think the Florida Panthers had a team before we did. Um, the Ducks, like all these other pro teams, yeah. they had their ice girl squad. And even if, you know, I think um, I want to say teams like Nashville had girls who didn't go on the ice. Carolina, too. <laughs> they were yeah, just they had, in this, uh, they the stairwell. Like people, yeah. yeah. Like, and right. the Dallas so Stars. It was the same idea, but the Avalanche uh, took pride in having a team that could actually skate. So that was like their main, their main point was like we want a team of girls who can actually skate, uh, whether that's figure skating or being you know hockey players or whatever. Uh, so we actually that's I don't know if you guys ever attended when we did an ice dance of some sort. Uh, but no, we were I didn't able know they did those. No. <laughs> the only cool. the only thing I remember is you sweeping the fucking snow. <laughs> <laughs> I called myself a mini Zamboni. There you go. Yeah. Hell yeah. I, I mean, I've always wanted to drive the Zamboni, so if I could be a mini Zamboni, right? I'd be I'd be there. Uh, I'll put on one of those short skirts. I'll freaking be a little Zamboni. Hey, Sam, I'm, I'm curious to, like, with your hockey playing history past, before we get into your refereeing, like, what were locker rooms like uh, between maybe teams you'd played on that were all girls versus you said you played on boy squads too. And maybe that isn't something you experience all girls versus mixed locker rooms. But if it is like, I'm curious just your opinion, like your experience on that. With the boys. um, 
I think it was when I was playing, it was like a much less sensitive time. Um, so people didn't really, you know, think twice about it. It's like, this is the locker room and it's like, okay. Um, and as I, you know, nowadays people are a lot more, even as an official, uh, people will sometimes say, Hey, do you want this girl's locker room or whatever? And my take on it is that I've always liked to be a part of the team Mm -hmm. and I never walked into a locker room and saw like, you know, I'm a girl and you're boys and we're all changing in the locker room. Like I just saw myself as a teammate. And so there were, you know, you obviously as a girl take steps to be like, okay, I'm going to go into the bathroom with my unders right? and you change into the appropriate amount of clothing in the bathroom. But then I would come back and be with my team and I do the same as an official, you know, I change out, uh, into an appropriate layer of clothing before I come in, you know, and see all the guys sitting around. But I, the last thing I wanted was to be segregated. Um, I didn't see myself any differently. I was like, we're all a team. You know, these are these are my brothers. Yeah. <laughs> so I just that was how I grew up. And um, and it kind of progressed into my officiating career where, like, I never really asked for I don't want a girl's locker room. I don't want to be segregated. And, you know, I, I feel bad because people ask sometimes they're like, do you want a girl's locker room? And I'm like, no. And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, they think they offended me. And I'm like, no, like, I'm glad that you asked, you know, because you're, mm. uh, you're showing awareness. Mm. Um, but I will respectfully decline um, because I want to be a part of my team. And uh, the bonding experience in those locker rooms is really important. Um, it's important for the game. It's important for growing up. Uh, so if I had missed out on those experiences, I would be – you know, a little more close-minded, I think. I think it helped me evolve into the person that I am uh, to be able to share those experiences with those people. So uh, as far as the girls' locker rooms, I mean, that was, it was much more like free-flowing and everything, but we, you know, we still have respect for each other. Um, So it's just, uh, it would be like a standard locker room without having to excuse myself to go to the bathroom to change into certain layers. Awesome. Because I'm not asking, I know what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. We all know that, but that's that. Thank you for your perspective on that. And I I think there's a lot of girls listening uh, that could take advice from your experience about how to approach that with their own situation. Especially because, you know, maybe if they're uneasy about it or something like that, I think that's a huge, uh, that's, that's an incredible perspective as well. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's, uh, I, you know, for a guy, uh, you know, when it's mixed, I think it's like it's really hard to uh, hard to kind of really break uh, break down a barrier, like make up a barrier, like maybe not a barrier, but like a good line. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I always I always love seeing girls in the locker room because I'm like, damn, if they're here, they must be freaking good and they're gonna be freaking I got to be <laughs> careful out there. They're going to be skating circles around me. I. Oh, I better drink one less beer before I get out there. Right. <laughs> like, you know. She's coming in. And she's going to fuck me up. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, it's just uh, to me, it's part of the like fun experience. Like I go there to hang out with my teammates. I go there to like see my friends and bond with them. And and of course, like I've always been, you know, I've tried to be aware uh, and conscientious about other people too like if they're if there's a guy that's uncomfortable with me dressing like 
I would hope that he would say something. I haven't run into that yet. I haven't run into anybody that was like, hey, I'm really uncomfortable with you being in here. And I don't um, think you ever I... will, Sam. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. So, I, you know, I would just hope that they would say something because if I, you know, I don't feel uncomfortable. I walk in and I'm like, I'm just one of you guys. And, you know, that's just it's how I grew up. So I don't see it any differently. Um, Sam, on the on the opposite end, is there more that us guys can be doing to make you feel more comfortable in the locker room? Yeah, no, I the way that they uh, even like growing up and then with the officiating community, like just being one of the guys has always been, you know, something that I'm proud of. And I'm happy to be, you know, I like that they're comfortable just being themselves. Uh, and as ridiculous as they are sometimes, I'm like, you guys crack me up. Like, it's fine. Um, but I, I appreciate the, the candor. I think that they're, they're honestly who they are and that makes for a great bonding and it makes for a great time because you don't have to sit there and think like, you know, be hypersensitive. And I know I'm only speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for um, you know, a whole community of women or a whole community of men. So, you know, everybody's takes going to be different. But for me, uh, this is how I grew up. And I grew up just being one of the guys. So for me, it's, it's fun to just sit there and enjoy their company. I mean, uh, you know, that kind of really speaks to it. It's like, uh, that's, I think that's the best way to go about it. You know, uh, it, appreciate uh their candor and you know you just you know you don't want to come in and like have a million people you know treat you differently just because your your gender or anything i think that speaks for anybody in the locker room you know you come in uh different right. uh, like a different race or a different you know uh different sexuality you know you like you this is what you do to come and get away from all that all that terrible shit you know you want to have fun <laughs> you want to sit down and uh just like you know go play hockey with your buddies yeah and i i, I was gonna chime in too and like from like the beer league perspective you know like I'm sure you've you've seen it, Sam, uh, refing at the promenade and stuff. Like, there's there's a lot of teams with that have like sometimes like two, three girls on one team, and I've I've played with uh, teams that have had girls, um, and we've never like you know myself or like the rest of the team like never looked at it as like any different or it's just we're all just like you know kind of giving each other shit in the locker room, mm -hmm. getting dressed <laughs> like not even. Not even like thinking of like, oh, oh my God, that's a girl or whatever. Like that, that's never been like a thing, you know, it's just, right. we're, we're just teammates. We're there to have a good time. And, and, and I can't say there's, there, there's ever been any awkward situations or like any, any anything like that at all. Animosity or anything no, like that. Nothing. No, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Right. And that's, I mean, that's just it, you know, as long as we're all like respectful of each other um to some extent you know it's but it's always been about the team it's always been about like just coming in and bonding and um just never looking at myself any differently so and oh. i've had some i've had situations where i was forced to be segregated basically uh where they were like this is the women's locker room and i was like yeah no thank you and then they would be like no you have to dress in here um because of the men there's some men that might be uncomfortable and i was like well you know, like, or, okay, like, and it's just something I would accept because I wasn't going to sit there and, 
argue it, but at the same time, dressing by myself makes you would I would think like makes you feel such uncomfortable. An isolating thing, and I just hated it. I was like, I feel like I'm not a part of the team. I feel like I'm not a part of anything that's going on. And you'd try to understand. Uh, you really have to start seeing it from the other perspective and be like, okay, obviously maybe somebody said something, and they're uncomfortable, and I have to respect that. Um, but it, uh, it is like an isolating moment where like, okay, this is weird sitting by myself, you know? <laughs> and so. Yeah. And I mean, not to, not to go into that example specifically, but it's like, you'd want to know what about it made them uncomfortable. Cause it's like, maybe I can address that and be like, your concerns exactly. are no longer there. And now I'm able to dress in the locker room and you're no longer worried, you know? Right. Like, is there something more that I could have done so that I can at least like put my skates on in the same room with you guys? Yeah, like, but exactly. I, I think besides what you could have done, it's like, you know, the person that was told that information needs to ask themselves, is there something more I can do as a person of authority here to figure this out? Because I respect that you're trying to do the right thing, but also it needs to come from leadership and not end up back on you uh, always. And so good for you for trying to figure it out, but it's got to start with everybody, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that right. couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, you know, you got to think this guy's sitting in a room full of his buddies. Anyway, that you really going to be that comfortable with a, a gal coming in here and just trying to be one of the guys to, you know, be a part of a team that, that on, on paper I'm a part of, but apparently you don't want me to right. like, mm -hmm be around or something for for what particular reason here you know it's it's almost it, it, it's like it like good on you for uh, you know like taking like taking the ultimate high road there because yeah you know there's the those those kind of times you know a lot of people will try to uh, you know say all right well i'm fucking done with this or you know maybe try to start <laughs> start a bit right. of uh start a bit of commotion about it but i mean it's really nice yeah. like the fact that your head was there was incredible. You know that like that guy, maybe not so much clearly, but it's, uh, it's commendable that you, yeah. I mean, you, you see the bigger picture here. My favorite part is every now and then I've seen it, uh, where you'll like go to a, like a drop in and there's those couple guys, you know, like, you know, everyone pitches in their 10 bucks, whatever to play for the ice time. And there's uh, every now and then there's a couple, couple girls that pop up. And there's there's there, I've seen guys like I'm going on the other team. I'm not I'm not gonna play with the girl oh, or with the girls. Yeah. But then but then the girls get on the ice and they fucking skate circles oh, around them. Dude, oh, they man. skate figure eights around them, dude. That is like my absolute <laughs> favorite, man. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so you know, like we, yeah, like we've mentioned that you're, uh, you know, you, you have a you have a career in officiating. Can you break that down for us? Can you like, uh, can you explain us like how that all started? Yeah, I mean, I, I started, uh, I started officiating when I was twelve, and holy shit! <laughs> so Pardon I started my at French. the YMCA. <laughs> I started at the YMCA. Um, you know, there were tons of youth games there, so I actually got recruited by a couple officials who one of, uh, I'm actually still very close with them and their family. Uh, and it was like a father daughter duo and they used to come and skate all of my games. 
And one day my mom was talking to them because my mom, I love my mom. She's great. She's, she coached like a lot of my teams growing up. Um, and she ended up being a coach for Fairview High School boys team, actually. Um, so she was like a, she was a really good coach. And she was talking to them one day and she's like, oh, like, how do you get into this? You know, do you think my daughter could do it? And they were like, absolutely. So they got me started. Um, and that's where I began was just refing at the YMCA on weekends. And as a 12 year old kid, you know, you're not going to get a $200 paycheck anywhere else. Oh, no way. No way. Yeah, this is a good deal. I'm making bank and skating around. and like, um, So, yeah, I that's where it kind of started. Um, and so, gosh, am I now old? I, <laughs> so now on my like 15th or 16th season, um, when I was about 14, I almost quit. And, you know, this was something I was, you know, I'll maybe touch on. But abuse of officials is a huge problem. Um, and we had any game I would work, it would be like a squirt game. And I would be getting screamed at. And 14-year-old me is like, I don't know how to handle this. Um, you know, what do you say to a 48-year-old man yelling at you when you're 14? Yeah. <laughs> so I was Unf like, uh -huh. And I was so close to quitting. I told my mom I didn't want to sign up again. I'm like, I'm not skating anymore. Like, I, I'm done with people yelling at me, and I'm done with, like, I feel terrible every time I get off the ice. Uh, even though you're going out there and you're doing your best, you know, like, you might be a terrible official because you're new, but you're, like, still going out there and trying to do what you can. And um, so, yeah, my mom convinced me she was like where else are you gonna make this kind of money <laughs> you know and like and she was like this is a really good opportunity and my mom saw it for what it was for me I was like very tunnel visioned um you know I was like I I only see what I'm doing right now but my mom saw what what was possible and some of the things that I actually did end up accomplishing probably because of her <laughs> and so I was like I uh I kept I kept with it at that point um, when I went to, right before I enrolled in my freshman year and went, I went to St. Thomas, my freshman year in Minnesota. And my plan was, cause I was still playing at that time. My plan was to try to walk onto that. Okay. Um, and I was like, I'll, I'll go out there. I'll go to Minnesota. I'll play D3. It'll be great. Um, I went to an officiating camp the summer before my freshman year. And just, like, fell in love with it. And huh. I was like, I love officiating. Like, officiating is so much fun. And I got really competitive about it. And I was like, this is great. Like, all these, I have so much I can do with this. What do you, wait, and, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean competitive <laughs> about it? Yeah. So, like, when you, when, I feel like when I started officiating, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do a Bantam game here. I'm just going to do this, like, peewee game here. And you just kind of skate games for fun. Um, and then there comes a point where you're like, if I can start taking this profession seriously, I can, I can go work really good games and I can start working in leagues that I've only dreamt of Nice. and leagues also that I, I would have never played in some of the leagues that I've wrapped. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was like, I was not that caliber of player, but I am that caliber of referee. So it was, um, once you know, and going to this camp, um, when I was 18, I realized 
what was out there and what was possible. And so I was like, man, this could be, this could be really cool. Um, if I just start getting more serious about it, if I start taking my games more seriously and you know, trying to really develop myself as an official. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I started doing stuff more seriously and my, I was called uh, by my NCAA supervisor. I think I was almost, almost 19 years old. So I was like barely old enough. And they called and they said, do you want to ref in the NCAA? And I was like, yes. Oh, <laughs> like, my gosh. Be fabulous. So I started, uh, I started refing for the D3 teams around the area in Minnesota and Wisconsin. What kind of um, teams were you refing for? Like, which teams? Um, there's, so there's a lot of teams. In the, River Falls was one of them. Uh, I worked Eau Claire's games quite a bit. Uh, I would work at Hamlin University. Uh, I didn't work University of St. Thomas until I wasn't attending that school anymore. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Yeah, a little yeah. bias, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't want to cross that path, so they're like, all right, we'll wait on that. Um, but yeah, those because there were two Division three leagues in that area. It was the NCHA and the MIAC. And, you know, a lot of really great D3 hockey in that area. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was my that was my transition. And I remember calling my parents and telling them I'm not going to tryouts. <laughs> I'm not going to tryouts for hockey. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> so they were very shocked that I chose to officiate over playing because I basically, uh, you know, took the opportunity away from myself to go and play. You know, you're only so young and college age and college eligible uh, for so long. And I chose ref over playing. So, um, but I'm, I'm grateful for it. I'm so happy that I took that path because that's what I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. mm. It sounds really weird because most people wouldn't take refing over playing i don't think but. well yeah that was, that was actually going to be my next question is like why do you, you know, why do you think you chose refereeing over playing um it was a combination of things i think i never really trained to be a player um i was just mm. naturally all right at it um and i didn't do off-ice workouts i didn't of course i loved it like i loved playing but I actually trained to be a referee and I was, you know, I wanted to read my rule book. I wanted to go do off ice drills. I wanted to like be better. And it was kind of recognizing that passion and just running with it and be like, yeah, most people don't take this path, but if it's what I'm passionate about, then I should take it. Mm. Um, so it was that. And when I went to this camp, it kind of occurred to me that I could travel. They said, you know, if you if you pursue this and you really love to do it and it's something you want to do, you can you can work games in other countries. You can work games in other cities. Um, we will fly wow. you to tournaments and like you can work all these different games and you can have the best seat in the house. Yeah. Like, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Right on the ice. I mean, come on. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was like the opportunity to be a part of the game at certain levels that I would have never been able to play. Um, that was very enticing to me. And it also, it just became a passion of mine. Like I wanted to be a better referee. I, 
dreamt about it. I, you know, wrote about it. I thought about it all the time. And I was like, how can I get to the next level? And so it just, it drove me, you know, it was something that I really loved to do. And so I went with it. (laughs) That's great. That's so awesome. You know, find something like a passion in something that like, you know, is not really appreciated. Well, you know, everybody, nobody, but, nobody, when they're little kids playing knee hockey, like, you know, well, that, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to be Wes McCauley tonight, you know? Oh, and, God, you really went with a Wes McCauley. Well, of course. I mean, but uh, <laughs> what yes, I'm saying is, sir. from what I'm saying is to just find such a passion in such a niche part of the sport well, is, that's what I'm saying, is yeah. gigantic, it's you know? huge. It's great. Wait, why am I up late doing these off-ice drills? Okay, wait, I must. I don't need to know the answer. I just am here, and that <laughs> says something, right? Yeah. You showed the dedication to the sport in a different way, and that's just, I just never, yeah, I never knew it took that right. much to get to an actual, like. Well, you've got my yeah. respect, Sam. If you're ever right. officiating one of my games, I'm going to go Thank a little you. easier <laughs> on you. With the verbal abuse, that's for sure. I'm just gonna pack up my bag, my bags, and go home. Hey Fuck Sam, off. did you? You also had had a chance to ref uh, some world championships, right? Uh, the which championships? Worlds, uh, like you know, uh, coming from USA Hockey, like what kind of what kind of yeah. tournaments did you get in? Like if uh, if I'm not mistaken, there were, I've been out of the country. Um, four times to work international events. Um, and they were all very eye-opening experiences, just incredible. Like I, I would be training for months to get ready for these, uh, for these worlds. And we have a lot of different divisions. Um, so I haven't yet worked the, the top division that I want to. Um, but that's something I work towards. And, uh, all these other divisions are, equally competitive you know people from these countries are crazy about their hockey teams and they are passionate about this game and that's it's so cool because some of us will get to these tournaments and nobody speaks the same language um but you all share that passion and it's very cool because it's just like this game where no word can be said but people can be smiling and just Uh loving you know being in the moment with each other so hockey is the language it's the universal yeah, love language. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, Sam, I, so when you say train for months, are you like reading over the rule book and making sure rule 51C is followed to the letter? Or like, can you describe to me what you mean there by like training for months for this tournament besides just maybe yeah. the rule changes? So the, um, you know, fundamentally... Yes, like you have to be like you have to know your rule book and that comes it doesn't come with just like reading it over and over again, but it also comes with experience. So a lot of the um, a lot of what I take into my games is from what I've already learned um, and trying to be better the next time. So you kind of you read your rule book, you understand your rules. Some tournaments have different um, have different rules. So you want to know that you you know, are overtime procedures the same as this other tournament? Um, are we, you know, s- skating with the same number of players in this tournament as this tournament? Icing procedures uh, and such. <laughs> it's, yeah, like all the very, like, fundamental stuff that 
you just have to pay attention to the details. So there's that aspect of it. And then there's the physical aspect of it because you're skating the entire game. Right. And I think sometimes people don't realize how much cardio goes into this position. Oh God. How, how could but it it's not? Really, like you skate the entire game. So if you're, yeah, there's I mean, no line changes for referees. eh? Yeah. You don't get to like, just take a break. You know? So it's like, uh, for me, my probably my hardest tournament was the U18 Worlds that I did in the Czech Republic. Damn. And that was the last year that they did a three-man system uh, or three-official system. Uh, and so you would have two linesmen and one referee. And that oh. referee, which is the position I normally assume, uh, is just skating up and down. And these girls were quick. They were really fast because they're the best national players of their team. Like. They're the best players in their national Yeah, league. you just elevated so, the skill level substantially. Right. So these plays go very quickly, and it, if you're just one referee skating end-to-end with these girls, it's like, and women's hockey, you know, there's no checking. So yep. in some ways, this game is a marathon because there's not that interruption. Right. Yeah. Oh, totally. Right. Yeah. You're just like. You're so running, I running, spent, run, run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're just going. And, uh, yeah, so it's very, like, prior to those tournaments, you get your assignment. And even, you know, even if you don't have an assignment, you still try to stay in shape throughout the year just in case. Well, um, no, I, I, yeah, I can imagine. Sorry. Right. Like, what it, you know, what happens if somebody, you know, can't make it and all of a sudden you got to go? Like, you have to be ready for that. Truth. Uh, so I, you know, I try to stay in constant shape just, you know, not only for my day job, but, like, for my you know hockey career <laughs> and, uh but yeah it's so there's a lot of cardio that goes into that and i i would do a lot of sprint intervals because that's you know you would sprint for say you know two minutes and then you get a 15 second 20 second rest and then you're <laughs> it's like yeah that was icing i'm calling icing i need yeah. a break <laughs> <laughs> please give me a fucking break for just a second <laughs> I'm just gonna go assess this penalty real quick. Yeah, it's like, do you guys really need to talk about this as long as I do, or do you just want to suck wind with me for a little bit? Yeah, for <laughs> so like, and uh, can can you tell me? Uh, can you tell us? I mean, uh, some of like uh, some of the big big tournaments you've been into. I mean, obviously the women's worlds in Czech uh, Republic. I mean, that's huge. Um, I so my first tournament ever was actually to China. Uh, Whoa. To Beijing. And it was my first time ever out of the country. Uh, I'd never been, you know, anywhere. And so when they were like, you're going to Beijing, I'm like, what? <laughs> this is like the opposite side of the world. Um, and I, it was definitely a culture shock in a way. You know, I tried to prepare as best I could. They always tell you, you know, when you're getting ready for these tournaments, try to brush up on maybe some history or some words, you know, like learn how to say thank you so that you can be polite to the people that live there. Um, and so you try to, you know, you try to just, you know, blend in as best you can. Um, but I was, I was like, Oh my gosh, China it was a 16 hour flight. Um, and I got there and it was just so they were so welcoming. Like every, everything about that tournament was Great. They were just, and every tournament I've really been to, you always get treated really well. Like they just, they want to take care of you. 
the IHF like puts on these great tournaments and they have just wonderful people run them. Um, and so it's always like such a nice experience and, um, it's just, let's see, Beijing happened. And then I went, I went to Norway was my second tournament. Uh, get the bra. That's dope. (laughs) Yeah. Norway was beautiful. And that was, um, you know, I took a train from the airport to the city I was staying in that was in the mountains. And it's it's got to be one of the most beautiful countries out there out of the four countries I've been to. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I think it's got to be top notch. Of course um, it is. It's Scandinavian. Yeah. Right. So and it, the, the extra cool thing, you guys will really appreciate this. But like every time we walked to the downtown of this town, it was Lillehammer. Um, oh, there yes. This little, <laughs> this, yeah, they had the Olympics there several years ago. 94. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you're and, right. Yeah, so they, here they're doing the Youth Olympic Games. So they still had the village and everything. And um, it's a unique tournament because it's not just hockey. It was like bobsled and like figure skating and like all these other events were going on. Um, and Curly. But every time we walked to the town, there was this little ice rink. And any time you would walk by this ice rink, there would be like little kids playing hockey on it. Or like learning to skate and just playing pond hockey. I'm oh. like, this, this is the life. <laughs> See, what I love about these stories is like you're there on a professional situation, but you're being exposed to different cultures and experiences along the way, which is like what we should all want out of our careers and some that, respects. That's, you know? It's, it's in, ex- incredibly priceless. Yeah. I mean, just to be able to be in these spots, I mean, especially for China, being the first time out of the country i went to juarez mexico the first time i ever left the country (laughs) but i mean uh china like that's that's gigantic and i mean uh, obviously you know um i mean it was scary too because they just uh they were like when you land you're gonna have to go out into the baggage claim area and then there should be somebody holding a sign and i'm like okay (laughs) So I get out there, and it's just this guy holding a sign that says my name on it. And I'm like, I guess I'm supposed to go with you. Oh, God. (laughs) So I'm in the middle of, like, China, and some dude holding a sign. And then he brings me a car, and it's like this minivan, you know? And I'm like, am I supposed to be here? (laughs) Well, I hope you're my person. Did it say free candy on it? (laughs) Oh, my. How would you know, though? How would you know? It's all Chinese calligraphy. How how would you know? Free candy and Pokemon Go. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, you you got got China, you got uh, Norway. Any more, like, gigantic, you know, like, treks across this earth? Um, Yeah, I mean, with my other two tournaments that I've been on were in the Czech Republic and one in Italy. Oh, yeah, Czech. That's right. I mean... Prague, so I went to Prague an additional day or whatever, uh, and it was just, like, it's an unbelievable city. But, I mean, these people are very, um, I ended up, one of my friends officiates in the Czech Republic in their professional. So I met up with him at some point after the tournament, and I went to one of their games. And I will tell you, these people are so excited to be at these games. Like they're very loud. They all have drums. Like they scream. They yell. Oh, and it's just that's like something I you want know, to experience. If you did, so I bad. feel like so cool. 
Yeah, I like. I feel like if you did that here, you'd get kicked out. Yeah, like, totally. Person, you need to leave. <laughs> you know? You're creating too the much crazy. of a ruckus. Yeah, you're creating too much of a ruckus, sir. I think we're gonna have to ask you to leave, dude. It's a fucking hockey game. Who no. brought up yeah. the whole entire drum area? Get out of oh here. <laughs> They're so loud. They're very loud. They're very excited. And I'm like, this is an atmosphere. Like, you, this is sweet. You know, I uh, had. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I'm just jealous of, like, some of the European games I've been to. Where I'm like, wow, really? You're just killing it. <laughs> yeah. It, well, completely different. Well, that's, uh, you know, I've had I've had the, like, incredible pleasure of being in uh, Milan Hayduke's presence a couple times and uh i asked him about like playing back in check and how it's like kind of uh different from you know the nhl and stuff and he said yeah it's loud it's loud uh you know you walk into the building and it's like oh yeah you, you've it's got definitely a new level yeah you've got like eighteen thousand people screaming their faces off you know and i like uh, while he was telling me this it was just probably like the greatest thing that i've ever seen i mean like i'd much rather having like ten thousand rabid hockey fans rather than you know whatever we've got here that like half the like you know maybe one third of the people just don't even care so that they're there now you're making me think about this from a different angle where like was it riley smith that went on the record the other week where he was like well Oh yeah, somebody I, I asked played him. in Florida for a while yeah. where I wasn't used to fans, so this whole bubble thing ain't gonna be yeah. no big deal. Somebody asked him like, "Is it gonna be weird that you're gonna be playing in front of no fans?" So like, that was maybe well, I, I play in Florida. Game. Maybe yeah. it's like, uh, <laughs> maybe it's like this, but they don't let the European players say this about European hockey because it's not so good for the NHL in comparison, but. I wonder if they're like, so are you worried about playing under the pressure of the playoffs? And you just get some Milan Hayduk guy be like, dude, you have no idea. I've been in Europe for years. You guys don't even know the kind of stuff. You don't even know loud. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, wouldn't that be amazing if some guy said that and then all of a sudden we were checking out like European hockey and it's like, oh my God, look, there's flares. Good God, there's flares. uh, Well, I like just, I just want to put this in real quick because, uh, um, well, a, I, I have a, I have a really good buddy, uh, Peter that lives in North shopping, uh, Sweden. And uh, he's he sent me pictures of like him going out to Sweden, like uh, SHL games, and it's just, it's nice. a fucking ruckus. Nice. Like, I mean, I sent him I sent him a, a video of like the first game of the Avs uh, playoff game. And he's oh, like, yeah, that I recorded. Yeah, that's stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. But I mean, that's like how it is every yeah. game. We're Sam and I are like, oh no. Chicago's anthem can't be missed and like all our Swedish <laughs> listeners are like you have no idea what the hell you're talking about <laughs> you. right. it's like you don't know loud you don't know loud yeah they I mean they're on a it was like I would go to any game here anytime like with this kind of energy I'll take it <laughs> oh absolutely I mean because you know let, let's be honest when you when that the arena is just rocking off off its hinges it it just like triggers this the endorphins in your body like oh yeah we gotta go 
you don't have to worry about like what other people think because nobody like everyone's there just to like cheer really loudly and be a part of the game so you're not concerned about like oh I don't want to be too loud and get kicked out or you know have these people looking at me sideways I say (laughs) fuck it you get kicked out you had a good time Uh, but there is later. a lot of truth to that because I'm always like, oh, they 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 pick the host city and it's gonna be the World Juniors in Canada split between Montreal and Toronto. That's gonna be rowdy, and I bet when it's announced for Helsinki or other places, they're like, yeah, oh, like, it's we're it's gonna run house. It's gonna be awesome. Oh, it's I I bet like just talk to Keats, man. He was just stoked that like half of, uh, the IIHF, uh, 2021, uh, championships were going to be in Riga this year. Hell yeah, dude. And I'm he's like, not even going to be able to see it. And he's fucking stoked about it, you know, <laughs> who knows, man, I might get myself a ticket to the I'll homeland. Take me with you, please. As long as I want to get off of this godforsaken fucking rock. I mean, rock. If for no other reason, priority seating, right? As long for as real, dude, you got the, <laughs> right. As long as the corona doesn't ruin it, uh, I'd love to. That'd be a cool trip. <laughs> Priority seating, yes. Sorry. Oh, dude, let's do it. I'm down. <laughs> I, uh, like, all right. So enough about us. More about you, Sam. Like, uh, we'll... <laughs> I'm talking your guys' ears off now. <laughs> oh, hey, that's what we want. That's what we love. Uh, so, uh, I mean, hugest thing, like, uh, you, you spoke about, uh, you spoke about, you know, like abuse of re- the referee and stuff like that. Like how, how's, how, how does that like just, cu- uh, you know, how's that on a daily basis, you know, like a game by game basis. <laughs> I mean, it's gotta be just ridiculous because if, if, if yeah. I know anything, I've given so many refs so much shit. <laughs> and, you know, there's when you get into it, you know, like, you know that there's going to be a certain amount of it. Uh, there's just no getting around it. It's part of what we do. Um, but every, there's this statistic that we in USA hockey, we lose about 30% of our registered officials every year and losing 30% of people. It's like, Oh my gosh, that's a lot. Like it really, and compared to how many games there are, uh, we have a shortage. And sometimes it's really hard to get games filled. Even, you know, you think about men's league and stuff. Like, sometimes it's hard to get those filled or to get all the youth games. And high school, you know, once, like, February rolls around and everybody's playing, um, it's very hard to, to meet that number of games. And at some point, you know, if we can't recruit enough people um, there won't be enough for these games. And we've got youth parents, uh, and the same thing happened to me when I was young, you know, and I told you guys about being yelled at by parents when I was like four. <laughs> and like, yeah. how do you, how do you cope with that? If I didn't have my mom there and a couple supervisors who said, Nope, stick with it. You're going to, once you get through this, it's going to be worth it. Uh, if I didn't have that kind of support, I would have been long gone. And I would have never accomplished anything that I that I ended up doing. So, uh, you know, I've been trying to be more part of our mentor programs and stuff that we have for set in place for newer officials. Um, but it's a it is a daily battle, and there are times where I will show up at a rink and just watch young officials and try to give them some you know advice, encouragement, whatever. 
but almost guaranteed every set of stands I sit in for a youth game, I'm going to hear something inappropriate from the parent section. Clearly. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm like, you know that this ref is like 13 years old, right? Like, you know, this is like a child you're yelling at. Yeah. Um, And it just doesn't trigger for people sometimes. But even even adults, you know, that go in later on and want to give it a shot. It's sad because they want to do it because they love the game. No, like nobody's showing up to the rink like I'm going to the NHL. That's why I'm here. Thing, you know? Right. Like, oh, totally. They're here because they have a passion for the game and they want to be in the best seat in the house and they want to participate and, you know, have fun. Um, and it's just hard sometimes when you can't. There are certain games and certain places where it's going to be heated. It's going to be emotional. But like at a squirt B game on a Sunday morning is really like not the place (laughs) yeah so i just you know i it's something we've really been trying to address um and trying to we try to communicate that in our seminars you know we tell them here's what you're gonna expect a little bit of but also we try to enforce the zero tolerance and it just doesn't go well uh these rinks are supposed to have zero tolerance in place but it's like who's enforcing that Um, I have, I've addressed the stands only a number of times in my career and it's never like, it's always an uphill battle for the most part because you're one official yelling at us like a group of people and it's just not, it's not the best way to deal with it. But who else is supposed to enforce that zero tolerance? You know, we've been trying to, you know, report this person here and then it's to be handled through this and then this. And it's just like, so many loops make it really hard. It's almost um, like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, really. Yeah, like, okay, so I just won't say anything. I'll try to report it the right way, but sometimes, you know, you wonder if it's effective. And you try to do it the right way. Um, but I can't save I can't save all these new officials. And that's what's hard, too, is because I know what they're up against. And... I try to like, okay, this is what's going to happen. But it's like, once they're in it, they're like, oh, this is miserable. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to do this at all. Oh, for and, sure. And I can't blame them for that. Like I, I felt the same way when I started. Um, but it was just about having that to get you through it. Yeah. And so that's what we try to give to them now. But it's, and it's also a changing time, you know, like you look at, um, I don't know if it's like a generational thing or a societal thing, but I feel like there's some aspect of respect in there um, where like some sports will actually like rugby. They are so respectful of their officials in rugby and it's been an established thing since like time. I don't know when rugby started, but they, they're very respectful and whatever set, like whatever the official says goes and hockey just doesn't have that. We have, uh, we have a different kind of mentality, I think, um, in some ways. But, you know, I mean, for the most part, people are good. I think that for the most part, players are good, coaches are good, and there's just once in a while you deal with that problem. Yeah, huh. I almost kind of think that you, like, you get more of that problem with, uh, you know, those, like, those uh, parents that think their kid's going to be the next Crosby or Ovechkin where they just fly off the handle for zero reason. 
so that that's incredible. Um, I I think I think we all learned a little bit uh, today. When you got when you boys say, oh, oh yeah, no, we learned a lot <laughs> about the uh, refereeing aspect and just where you came up from uh, as a youngin up to your, we'll just say adult age. We're not gonna name any <laughs> numbers, so. Well, nobody likes to actually say their actual age. I I know I don't. But uh, Sam, we gotta we. I just gotta say this. This was such a fun episode, and thank you so so very much for being on. And I think and I hope that you guys had that you had a lot of fun too. Definitely. Thanks yep. for sharing your perspective, Sam. It was wonderful to hear from you today. Thank you for thank you for inviting me. I I love talking to you guys. Hopefully, no. you know some of it was eye opening. Oh. It, <laughs> I think I, I think uh, I think all three of us we uh, we definitely say it was truly eye opening. There's, there's four of us. Well, <laughs> oh wow! Uh, <laughs> well, there we go. No, well, if you, I'm so damn you, I'm so damn used to saying all three of us. I'm like, all right, so you know, this is it's it's new for all of us. Okay, you need another beer. You're not seeing double. Uh, d- mix in a water, bud. <laughs> No. Mix in a fucking water. <laughs> but no, Sam, if I ever make that uh, make it that trek up to um, Chicago, I will definitely like to hit up a game with you and my cousin. Oh, and all absolutely. That. That'd Hell be yeah. awesome. Because I want to knock off every one of those like stadiums throughout the whole entire NHL, all 32 right? of them. So. Maybe we can bring our we can bring some snare drums or something and make it all European. Oh <laughs> hell yeah! Just get real loud. I That's what's up. Well, <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully we uh, you could track down because uh, we do have a an on the bench with Beaks Banner now that Woo-hoo. we want to that we want to get everyone that we have on to sign it. So oh, eventually, cool idea. So eventually, we're gonna need to get you, like, get you in front of the uh, the bench, get you on the actual bench to sign our little uh, our little banner. <laughs> but uh, we will have some uh, new stickers coming out your way because we like to give everybody stickers. And um, and I gotta say uh, thanks to Dan Williams and My Beer Nation for getting those as as always that that crafty little guy. But um. Damn it, Sam! It was great <laughs> hanging out with you. Thank you, guys. And also, I don't. Oh, my bad. <laughs> no, you're good. Go for it. But yeah, don't forget to check us out on YouTube and what was it, Vimo? Vimeo? Uh, Vimeo? Vimeo? I don't Vimeo. Vimo. <laughs> it's yeah. something. I don't know what these new fan fandangled those apps talk are. Ticks. No, yeah, but no, guys. We got we we got some new stuff coming out. Uh, we we have a YouTube channel right now. So if everyone could please subscribe, that would mean the world to us. And we're gonna be putting all our content out there. Uh, Jerseys on the bench is gonna be on YouTube now, as well as all of our episodes. Uh, Dan is working really hard to get episode one through all the way up to seventeen on those. Um, on uh on youtube so please be patient but we'll have them on there and like i said yeah please subscribe that will help us a lot and yeah stay tuned i guess would be the appropriate word there right (laughs) yeah uh yeah jerseys on the bench videos are going up all these episodes will be up by next week that's my that's my i i'm stating it and hold me to it 
I'm gonna hold you situation. to it. I'm gonna hold you right to um, it. And some other series we got planned up there, but it'll also be nice to be able to see what jerseys we're wearing every week when we're recording these podcast episodes and see what beers we're enjoying while we're talking to you guys uh, and, uh, see what and girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah and girls. And, <laughs> see um, if uh, see where everybody's sneaking off to when you can't yeah, hear Exactly. So the bathroom we use inside yeah. perspective. And if I could be so bold as to say that I'm working on a way where you could feel like you're on the bench with beaks, that would be really cool too. That's, so stay tuned. So, and all right. So, um, I just want to thank all the listeners. I want to thank you boys for being with me and I want to send a special thanks to Sam Heller for being with us today. So, uh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate thank you. you. Guys. We'll catch you next week on the bench. Have a good one. Oh. Fee